0: Welcome to the men's global live stream. Uh, if you have a Bible, you're going to want to hold a spot in Ephesians chapter four and James chapter four. Those are going to be a couple of the key passages that we're going to look at. And if you're if you're joining us for the first time, we're in a series called "Fight for the Fam." Uh, it is what it sounds like. We're talking about how to fight for the family, which is presently and has always been under attack. And just by way of review. Uh, some key thoughts, is that family uh, is God's creation order. Family is God's chosen tool, all right, uh, to love and form healthy relationships and people. And because that is true, family will always be attacked by evil, Uh, the evil one, evil masquerading as culture. Uh, And right now, more than ever, uh, men need to learn how to fight for their families, especially... Uh, You, young dads. So what we've been doing is we've been going step by step, relationship by relationship, issue by issue, to learn how to fight for the family. And today, we're not going to talk about the topic is not fighting for the family. The topic is fighting within the family. All right, conflict, conflict resolution, fighting within the family and fighting for the family by doing conflict resolution the right way. God's way. Now, to get God's mind and to advance God's mind and to apply God's mind, we've got to go to the Bible. And this is that first passage I told you to put a hold on. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through 27. Let's start there. It says this, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for we are all members of one body in your anger do not sin do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold now the reason i chose this passage is because it addresses a unit of people that are doing life together, all right? And families are definitely units of people, the primary unit of God's choice, that is doing life together. The Bible says that we're all members of one body. Uh, Family members are like a body. There's different parts of it, different roles in it, uh, different things that happen within it. So whether you're part of a blood family, or an adopted family, or a blended family, or maybe you're a part of a spiritual family, uh, like here, you're a unit, And guess what? That unit is filled with imperfect people, flawed people, selfish people, and sinful people. Uh Uh-oh, so what does that mean? That means that there are unmet needs and unmet wants and desires in conflict. And when people don't get those unmet needs met and those desires satisfied, and they feel like the people next to them are thwarting them from getting their unmet needs met and their desires satisfied, whether you're a toddler or whether you're a parent, you are going to have some good old fashioned fighting. All right. You're going to have conflict, right? And this is true of every family. It's the presence of conflict is normal in every family. But the battle for all of us, especially you dads, and you grandpas, and you uncles, and you older siblings, is you got to fight fair, and you got to fight God's way. You see, God has a purpose for everything and in everything, and he can redeem everything, especially things where it feels like there's no way any good is going to come out of it. He can redeem that, and he can redeem even conflict to glorify himself the same way he redeemed a tortured son on a cross to bring salvation to humanity. So that's where we're, we're looking into. And I want to unpack the passage we just read, Ephesians 4, 25 to 27, and just identify some core truths up front, get God's mind, that will help us begin to think about conflict. All right. Now, based on the passage, here are four truths. Number one, deceit stokes division in families. All right, so there's a unit of people together, in this instance, a spiritual family, but true for any family, there's a unit together, and the command is that you must put off falsehood. All right, shady stuff, all right, manipulation, falsehood, misdirection, all right, deceit always stokes division. in families, because when there's deception, husband to wife, when there's deception, parents to children, when there's deception, brother to brother, sister to sister, or brother to sister, all right? And then the deception is comes out, and truth always comes out, there's gonna be anger, and there's gonna be betrayal, and where there's anger and betrayal, there is division. Number two, withholding truth holds peace hostage. The passage in the Bible says, put off falsehood and speak truthfully, all right? But sometimes we don't want to speak truthfully because it might damage our image or we might lose our position or power in a family, right? But you know, when we do that, when we withhold truth from people, whether it's truth about ourselves, whether it's truth about another person or truth about a situation or truth about reality or just truth about life, and we try to pad it and we try to coddle, and we try to uh, make the landing easier, all right, sometimes when we do that, and then the person discovers that, okay, we didn't tell them the truth, whether it's a child, we didn't tell them the truth about themselves, and then they grew up to be a a spoiled, a self-absorbed adult, or the truth about an issue, and the truth wasn't told about that early on, and then later on, You know, there's pain connected to not telling the truth. In families, when we withhold truth, we hold peace hostage, all right? And we want peace in our families, but to do that, we just kinda gotta be in truth and reality. We gotta be real, all right? Third, conflict is inevitable, but destruction is optional. That's what I love about the Bible, is it says, hey, in your anger, just don't sin. It's not saying don't be angry, all right. People are going to get angry. People are going to feel thwarted. People's needs are going to go unmet and they're going to feel things about their needs going unmet and their desires being unfulfilled in family. So there's going to be uh, some emotion, some negative emotions in families. And so some of you know what I'm talking about right now, right? But the key is, is that we can be angry, but we don't have to sin. We don't have to destroy. We don't have to bring death. We don't have to tear down. We don't have to violate God's word or be unloving in that situation because the Bible says that we don't have to sin when we get angry, all right? But we really have to lean on God's truth and God's power to help us do that, all right? Fourth, um, the Bible says that either we fight fairly or, if you don't, you give the devil a foothold. And this is the, the fight for the family at its very root. Again, family is a creation order. Family is God's chosen tool for forming people in healthy relationships. Family is covenant. Satan attacks all of those. He hates all of those. All right. And when he smells just a little division, it's like chum in the water for the shark. All right. Smell it miles away and just heads right for that division and that little space inside your family where division is allowed. It's a little foothold. It's a small space to start off with. But just like in war, if you win the foothold, you can win the next hundred yards from the foothold, and the next hundred yards, and the next hundred yards, and the next mile, and two miles, and fifty miles. You can take down a whole country from a little small spot. Did I just give you a picture? of the fight for your family. The devil wants a foothold of division and he wants to pour lies and truths and uh, and untruths and selfishness and fill your head seizing upon that distance and that division in a family to take down the whole thing. You know, the end product of a divorce or division, permanent division in a family. It didn't start off that way. It starts off as a, a little situation that created a little attitude that was fueled and fed, that's right, by the devil who seized the foothold. So what does the Bible say in response to those truths that, hey, deceit, that stokes division. Withholding truth holds peace hostage. Conflict is inevitable, all right? And our anger just don't sin, but destruction is optional. And we gotta fight fairly and fight the right way, God's way, um, or else we give the devil a foothold. In light of that, look at Romans 14, verse 19. It says this, Let us therefore make every effort. All right, there's a fight. Full effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. So those are God's goals for your family. But you got to know how to manage conflict in a family, all right, and to maintain the peace and to maintain People not tearing down, all right? Those are two things that you gotta fight for and guard and be sober about and know. And and the amount of energy the Bible says that we have to put into that, man of God, is to make every effort versus what? Well, versus a kinda effort or a sort of effort, or just defeat the effort. You're the source, all right? God's saying to us right now, in this moment in time, if you're watching me, you gotta make every effort to win peace and mutual encouragement and edification in your family. So if you're not there, all right, you need to listen up and you need to follow me about how we're gonna win peace. And so what we're gonna do with the rest of our time is we're gonna look at some key realities that we have to recognize so that we have less conflict and more peace. Anybody up for that? I'm for less conflict, I'm for more peace in my marriage. I'm for less conflict and more peace, all right? with my children, all right? Parents to children, dads to children, mom to children. I am up for less conflict and more peace, sibling to sibling, brother to brother, sister to sister, sisters to brothers, brothers to sisters. Okay, so there's the family unit, all right? And we're looking for peace and mutual encouragement. The first step that we take in that direction is we gotta recognize the person within me that feeds division. All right. the Bible says that you have a part of you, all right, that wants and isn't satisfied, that desires but doesn't get everything they want, right? And when you want stuff, or you want an outcome, or you want a thing, or you have a desire that's unmet, a lot of times you blame the people next to you for thwarting that desire or want manifesting in your life, all right? So you gotta recognize that there's a part of you that is the source of division, all right? And it's just the selfish you, it's the sin nature. It's that chump inside that wants what he wants when he wants it, all right? And that throws sometimes an adult temper tantrum uh, over it and projects that little toddler inside who's having a temper tantrum onto the people Um, around him. The Bible speaks into this source. James chapter four, our second key passage says this, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have. So you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and, and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, You do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures or on yourself. All right. So you look at that man and you see that they have desires in conflict. They can't realize their desires. All right. So then their lack of satisfaction gets projected onto the people around them. All right. And, this person is not bringing, listen, it's not bringing God into the mix. They're just, they're in their own head, right? They're not even considering God, they're not talking to God, they're not asking God, they're not processing that with God. And so when you're not making room at the table in your life for God, right, then who's it on? It's all on you and it's all on the people next to you to get that desire satisfied. But when God's in the picture, And we say, hey, not my will be done, but your will be done. Or we're talking to God and saying, God, you know, this is my desire. And I know you love me and I know you want the best for me. And so this is my desire, but I trust you and your timing and what you want to do for me. And it's not about you having the capacity to deliver that into my life. It's just my character and the process leading up to that or you deciding in your wisdom and love to keep it out of my life and both are a win. See the difference? So if there's a man in a family, and he has a personal connection, if God is personal to him, and God's intervening in his life with these wants and desires, and he's processing it with God, the person who can actually pull it off and will allow it to happen, all right? He's processing it there, and he's open to God's best interest, and even will look at his own motives, all right? There's going to be a lot less conflict, and a lot more peace, but we got to recognize. All right. Number one, the source of division in your family is you. It's me. And there's a built in part of us that is selfish. And I don't think we have a problem admitting that. All right. But the way you deal with self causing division is you bring your whole self to God. And you begin to go, okay, it's not about me. It's about him. And he has my best interest in mind. He's able. He's wise. I'm going to process my wants and needs and desires with him. He's going to speak into my motives and kind of expose them if they're not right and if it's selfish. Or he's going to say, hey, that's a holy motive. That's a good motive. That's a healthy uh, way of thinking about this. I want to do that for you. Keep praying. Right? But the first thing we need to recognize is we need to recognize the person within me that feeds division. Second, all right, also a point of recognition. we got to recognize the person outside of me, not that feeds division, but that fuels division, the great divider, Satan himself, who will, in the midst of your needs and want, he will Plant comparing thoughts. Well, look at what he has and what you don't have. Look at what they have. Look at how his wife treats him. Look at how their kids listen and behave. Look at, he'll, he'll feed you thoughts that will fuel division and discontentment in your family, all right? Judging thoughts, right, where you judge others. Well, if only things, you know, if only the people in my family were more like me, things would be going much, much better around here. That's a judging thought. And most men have had that thought, whether it comes to their spouse or their kids. That's from the devil. All right. It's a judging thought. God didn't create them to be like you. All right. Then there's selfish thoughts. You know, who's taking care of you? How come you're not getting your needs met? You're meeting everybody else's needs, but you're not getting your needs met. All right. That's from the devil. Rationalizing thoughts, justifying thoughts. All of those types of thoughts come from one place to accomplish one goal to fuel division in your family, to get you in your own head, get you thinking about you, all right, in unhealthy ways, because there's healthy ways, healthy self-thought, but these are unhealthy self-thoughts, all right, that ruin relationships, all right, and his name is the devil. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter five, what we see is we see sort of a investigative situation the Apostle Paul is the pastor. He planted this church in Corinth. They're a family. And guess what? Their family's divided. Right? There is huge resentment, huge bitterness, huge lack of forgiveness. And Paul is coming in. He's like dusting for prints. Let's listen to what he found. He describes the situation, and then he tells the Corinthians what he's found. If anyone has caused grief, He has not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you, to some extent, not to put it too severely. The punishment inflicted on him, the one causing grief, by the majority is sufficient. Now, instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. Another reason I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. Anyone you forgive, there's the test, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, listen in, in order that Satan might not outwit us for we are unaware of his schemes in order that satan might not outwit us for we are not unaware of his schemes what's paul doing he's recognizing the person outside of this spiritual family that is trying to create division and he's helping them navigate the relationships in there because there was there was breach there was violation and there was pain and there was consequences and but there was also love and there was also forgiveness and there was also this encouragement as believers to offer forgiveness and to receive forgiveness so that relationships can be repaired and restored and renewed and then released to the next chapter, All right, With that behind them. And so Paul, as the leader, all right? So if any of you are leaders in your family, it doesn't matter if your grandpa, dad, older brother, uncle, um... If you're a leader in your family, take a cue from Paul. And the cue is this, that he's willing to be first to forgive. I love the language, you know, that that he uses. If there's anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. All right, he leads in reconciliation. He leads in forgiveness. Why? Because he ain't gonna allow the devil to get a win in this family. What's your attitude toward division in your family? Is it just everybody else's fault and everybody else's character and, you know, it's just the way it is or it is what it is? Well, the Bible doesn't believe that and neither should you. There's an active force outside of you that is fueling that division, fueling your thinking about people and thoughts. All right? You got to recognize that. or Well, you're, you're lost. So those two big sources of division in your family, the selfish you and Satan, if you don't recognize those uh, operating in this theater of family, your family's going to be divided. All right. A lot of guys don't account for evil attacking their marriage and their family. They just think it's the other person or life or circumstances. And then they look for temporary solutions and natural solutions when there is a supernatural force and they're not even dealing with it, which allows for that division to continue in that distance and that resentment and anger and lack of forgiveness to continue. Number three, we've got to recognize the lies we're believing. And this goes right along uh, this path that we're on. We lie to ourselves, okay? We don't even need Satan, all right? Satan already knows that we're going to want stuff and we're going to tell ourselves whatever we need to tell ourselves to do what we want to do. And then he piles on, right, some other lies that we're believing so that we can get to our goal and in the context of relationships and get it how we want it or get what we want, there's always lies that are believed behind division. Under division in a family, there are lies that are being believed by some party or by both parties, all right? And men who believe lies are separated from God and they're just not able to hear the truth. So when you're in the lie, when you're in your, let's call it your narrative, man, is this the culture of narratives today that are lies? So when you're in your narrative, your personal narrative, um, it's very hard to listen to the truth. And you know what? Satan loves a good deceptive narrative that you tell yourself and that you may even tell others to justify Division in relationships. Listen to Jesus talk about the confusion that happens in men when they are listening to the lie. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Did you catch that? Where there's a, a lie that's being believed, the lie Clouds and confuses men to the point where clear communication from God can't be heard. Why is that? Because their their spiritual and emotional and psychological ears are plugged. Their selfish ears are wide open to the lie from the liar who Jesus also calls a murderer of relationships. So when you think about the master strategy, you've got self in man, you've got a good liar that lies into that self that wants what he wants when he wants it, and when the man who is already selfish and lies to himself believes the extra lie that pushes him toward actions that divide, man, you've got a winning formula. So what's your narrative? What's your narrative? And is your narrative truth or is it a self-serving lie? Anytime you're like rationalizing a lot or justifying your behavior a lot or making excuses or blaming other people or using kind of twisted logic to get your needs met in the context of family, all right, that's the devil. All right, if you're confused over a clear word from God, that's because you're clouded by some narrative or some lie that you're believing. Listen, all miscommunication in families comes from differing assumptions. Satan lives in that realm of creating assumptions, all right, without communication, all right? So he'll lie into you and he'll create a narrative and you'll run with it, but you won't talk about it. In fact, you'll start miscommunicating in the lies and and, and, and assumptions without actually really processing it or dealing with it. All right. Right. So we're unable to hear when we're believing the lies in the narrative. We're confused when God's will is clear. All right. We're believing the lie who has been given to us by the liar. We're under the control of the lie. And when you believe a lie, you will behave out of that lie. See how important that behaviors reflect beliefs and either we're believing truth or lies. All right? So we got to be really careful about what we let into our mind the narratives, the rationalizations, the justifications, the thinking, right So we got to recognize the sources in us, the ones that feed division in us, the ones outside of us, cultural forces and the devil himself that fuel division in the family and that is happening right now, all right cultural forces and the devil and then, we have to recognize the lies that we believe. So if you got a narrative going, right? You got to really examine your narrative. If there's division in your family, division in your in your marriage, before God, you got to really look at that narrative. Next, we got to recognize the truth we are avoiding. All right? Now, as a pastor and mental health worker, I have assessed thousands upon thousands of people who are avoiding the truth, and they're avoiding the truth, and in avoiding the truth, they're they're allowing unhealth and division and addiction and other things to enter their lives. Can I just tell you something, and please write this down, um, problems slash conflicts seldom exist at the level at which you finally see it, all right? What do I mean by that? All right. So we'll finally see a divorce. We'll see division happening in our families. We'll see words exchanged between people in families, but the problem doesn't exist when the words are said or the papers are signed or the division is being experienced. The problem exists somewhere else. You know, back here, you know, I had a good friend, his name's Todd. He was talking to me about, you know, a conflict an argument he had with his wife and it started over frying sausage how to cook sausage. So guys, are you with me? Is the issue really how to fry a sausage? Or is there another problem that exists at a very deep level where that's just the symptom? It's not the root, all right? So when we think about division, we have to recognize that usually there's some truth about ourselves or about the situation or about another person that we're avoiding. Listen to what the Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 20, when truth comes in and man's response of avoidance. All right. Everyone who makes a practice of doing evil addicted, listen, to denial and illusion hates God light and won't come near it. Why? Fearing a painful exposure. But anyone working and living in truth and reality welcomes God light parenthetically, truth. So the work can be seen for the God work it is. So what you see in this passage of scripture, in Jesus's words, is you have facers of, of, of issues, facers of truth, facers of problems, all right? Those are the people who welcome truth, who realize God's bigger than the problem, and who work with truth to address the problem versus fleers, Of problems. You got facers and you have fleers, all right? And the fleers, they are problem avoiders, all right? They fear some kind of exposure. They're gonna lose power. They're gonna lose their image. They're gonna lose something. Or maybe some truth will come out about them. So when truth comes to the table, they either kill the messenger or rationalize not obeying or act confused. Why? Because they're avoiding truth and reality. Men. Here's the thing, in families, you know where God is? You know where God's presence is and God's power is and where healing and freedom are? It's in the truth. And so the question in your family and in your connection in the family when it comes to conflict is, are you seeking truth? Because that's where God is. And we don't have to be afraid of expressing truth or owning truth or discovering truth, because whatever the problem or situation is, God is bigger and his love is present and permanent, and so we can we can do it. You know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, all right? So when we are avoiding truth, whether it's truth about ourselves, truth about what we're doing, truth about the reality of a situation, man, we will stoke division in our family, all right? God is present in truth and reality. And a lot of times talking about reality is hard, but you see, God can redeem whatever that reality is. God is present, how do we know that? Again, God redeemed the hard situation of the cross. He can do that here, he can do it in your life. So, don't avoid truth. Next, you gotta recognize that God is watching, and this is a big point, all right? You gotta recognize the source of division in self. You gotta recognize uh, Satan. You gotta recognize uh, the, the, the lies you believe. You gotta recognize the truth we avoid. You gotta recognize, and this is huge, God is watching you, all right? This division in your family, he's tracking it. He's tracking the health of your relationships. He's tracking your character and conduct in this, you know? And he cares about your family. Listen to what the Bible says on this whole topic of God is watching. It says this, for the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah, his delightful plan. All right, so you've got a family situation. You've got the whole family and then you got the leaders, the men. Then he says, thus, he looked for justice to see if people were giving what is due. He looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed for righteousness, but behold, a cry of distress it's not going well in his family. But the key words here is God's got a family. God sees your family. God sees our spiritual family. God sees his children. God sees you. God sees your wife and your children, and he's watching, and he's looking to see if you will agent his justice. If you will give your family what is due. If protection is due, you give protection. If compassion is due, you give compassion. If discipline is due, you give discipline. If truth is due, you give truth. If, if forgiveness is due, you give forgiveness. If peace needs to be fought for, you fight for peace, right? He looked for that, but then God discovers, oh man, it's a mess. Bloodshed and cries of distress, you know, and it starts with the man. God puts his delightful plant, right? It's a picture of a king who has a hanging garden in Babylon and he's walking through and he's got all these cool trees and flowers and plants and they're like, they reflect his glory cause, and his power and his majesty. That's how God looks at us, guys, as we're leading. We're in the garden of his delight and his, we are his delightful plant and he is looking at us to reflect him, the God of love and justice. And he looks for it, he's watching for it through us to our family. But in this instance, he's not seeing it. And I know that for some of you right now, you're in the middle of conflict. And you gotta realize, man, I gotta get this right. God cares about it. he's not like blowing it off. He's not blowing, you know, thoughts of divorce off. He's not just gonna like, you know, write that off like we do things on taxes. He's not gonna write off division. He wants unity. He wants what what you know in him to be experienced by your wife and your kids. So you gotta fight fair, but you gotta recognize the sources, you gotta recognize the lies, you gotta recognize that avoiding truth isn't an option and that he's watching. Um, Next, you gotta recognize that peace is glorifying. If God is watching, then what's the goal if God is watching? That peace, fighting for peace in your family is glorifying. You know, we all know that famous theme in the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, where Jesus declares, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. In other words, my identity as a child of God presumes, in God's mind, an activity. Identity commands energy, produces an activity. What activity is that? Peacemaking. Peacemaking. We build bridges. We, we make hard decisions. We don't avoid truth. We take responsibility. We help people in our, our families take responsibility. Uh, we don't seek to tear down. We don't seek to destroy. But we seek to create peace and build up. Remember at the beginning, right? that passage from Romans make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Why? Because peace is glorifying to God. You want to glorify God? Fight for and secure the peace between you and your wife. Fight for and secure the peace between your your you and your kids. Fight for and secure the peace uh, between siblings in your family, grandchildren, brothers, sisters. Peace glorifies God. In fact, um, that's what the angels declared, right? When they, the, the heavens open and the shepherds hear them, what do they say in Luke two fourteen? Glory, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. If you're in Christ, God's favor rests on you right now. And I'm praying God's favor. Even though I'm saying these words, I'm praying God's favor on you right now. That you would experience his peace and love and that you would give it away. You'd fight for peace in your family, right? Glory to God in the highest. Fight for peace in your marriage. I put a couple verses there. Uh, 1 Peter 3, 7 on your notes, if you have the notes. You got to live with your wife in an understanding way or else God won't hear your prayers fight for peace. I put another reference there on the notes, Ephesians 6, don't exasperate your children. If you exasperate your children by being demanding and controlling and having all these rules and being a perfectionist, man, you're not going to have peace in your family. All right. So why obey those commands with your wife and with your kids? Because God wants peace. Say that with me. God wants peace in my family. Say it again. God wants peace in my family, but you got to fight for it. He supplied everything that you need. Let this word this morning is so powerful and strong. Let's go to the last point today, right? If we're gonna win peace, we gotta recognize that relationships demand sacrificing. And I know it's it seems like uh, an easy truth to understand, but it's a harder one to apply, right? That Jesus sacrificed his own comfort of living in heaven his own comfort of not having nails in your body and spears thrust into your side and thorns crushed onto your head and bleeding out because you've been flogged. So that, oh man, he did that. So that you and I could be a part of the same family. You know, and if you're watching this, I'm your brother. We're going to be together forever. But you know, that, that first family that you have, all right, wife, kids, that's a reflection of God, and God's calling you to make some hard choices and some sacrifices to keep your family together. And I know I'm speaking to a lot of you out there. I know it isn't easy. I know it, it isn't the way you expected things to go. I know... The distance isn't what you planned for, but you know what? We've just got a word from the Lord this morning. We've got a game plan, we have a war plan. And with all faith, forget about the outcome, with all faith, you gotta pursue this. Look at what the Bible says. It says, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. If you bite and ravage each other, watch out, in no time at all, you will be annihilating each other. And where will your precious freedom be then? My counsel is this, live freely animated and motivated by God's Spirit, then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. You see selfishness and Satan behind all division. The other things that we worked out, the lies, the truth, it's all like a very simple calculus and battlefield. There's God, there's Satan, there's you, all right? There's the people you're in relationship with, there's truth, there's lies. There's accountability in God. There's peace to have and secure, but through God's power. Can I just tell you what Satan loves? Write this down. Satan loves unresolved conflicts. Satan loves unconfessed sin. Satan loves unclear boundaries. In other words, leadership that says in our family, We resolve conflict this way, respectfully, courteously, lovingly, graciously, responsibly, truthfully, right? In our family, in our marriage, right? We take responsibility. We let people talk. We listen with our hearts and with love, not a spirit of fear and self-protection. We want truth to win, right? We don't allow low blows with our tongue. All right. And guess what? Because God loves us, we're not afraid to admit our fault. God tells us that we have faults and shortcomings and that we're imperfect. So we're not afraid. We want God's desire in this disagreement, right? We want God to be glorified. And you know what? We need to get to the root fear. Because we know that that these conflicts that we have or are having right now, they don't exist at the level at which we're seeing it right here. They go a lot deeper and we need healing and God's love to heal in that space. And we gotta be willing because Jesus let go of heaven to come to earth to fight for our place in the family and peace with God. We gotta be willing to let go of whatever we need to let go of. And trust God with that to win the peace in our family. So I want you to put your pencils down right now and I want to give you a moment with God. And it's a moment of, of recognition, right? We've been talking today about recognition and we need to pray and recognize some things that God has spoken and we need to tell him that we're aware of it, all right? So everybody that's watching this, close your eyes, bow your heads and pray with me. Lord, we're... We're members of families in some way, spiritual family, but blood families, adopted families, blended families. And God, we recognize that that our families are filled with imperfect people. And um, you've called me to make every effort in that family to do what leads to peace. And God, I just thank you that you know that conflict is inevitable in our families, but destruction is optional. And God, I present myself to you and I confess just my part. And I, I repent of any division or destruction that I didn't have to contribute to. And I ask you to forgive me. And Lord, I'm, I'm making a commitment right now to win peace. Jesus, you said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. God, I wanna live in my truest identity as a child of God and you expect me in that identity to be a peacemaker, to be a person who wins the spiritual battles inside, who's comfortable in truth and reality because of your love and God, I'm accountable to you and I wanna glorify you and I know I'm gonna have to make some sacrifices So, God, I ask for you to fill me with your power and perspective right now. Come, Holy Spirit, with power. Give me power that I don't have. Give me courage that I don't have. Give me willingness that I don't have through Jesus to win the peace. And, God, we rebuke the devil, all of us. Brothers, we raise a shield over every family that's getting attacked by evil, where there is division sponsored by the divider and the liar and the murderer. We rebuke him in the name of Jesus and by his blood. Thank you, Jesus, that greater are you who is in us in this community than that loser in the world, the divider, the liar. And so we rebuke him for every family right now listening to us. We declare victory in Jesus' name. The family is God's. The family is God's idea. And we rain down the name of Jesus onto, into, and upon every family in this broadcast. In the name of Jesus, peace we declare in his name. Amen. Man, that's how you fight for your family. All right. And your brothers are in this community fighting for your family and marriage with you right? And if you are watching for the first time, welcome. If you've been watching, please share this with a brother, a friend, a family member, so that they can experience the presence of Jesus Christ, the power of Jesus as they fight for their family. And we'll see you next time. God bless.